Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Good afternoon. It's a good day. Believe that? It's a good day. Now, how many of you have ever prayed that prayer? The Our Father. Well, you know, a lot of times we do it, and we probably did it a lot when we were younger, very religiously. And I don't know if you ever really thought about the words that you were speaking and why Jesus said to pray this way. Now, he didn't say to copy it, to say it word for word, but what he was showing you was a pattern of how to pray. And it begins with coming before God, not as somebody who is distant, but somebody who is close by. Somebody that you can have a relationship with. That's why he says, when you pray, it's our Father. See, that was one of the things that the religious people of the day hated. They couldn't stand that Jesus talked about such an intimate relationship with God being his father. Because for them, God was far away and they had to work really hard to get to him. And it was only then when they worked really hard that God would be able to bless them. But Jesus was showing them a higher way. That God wasn't distant. He actually was close by and he wanted people to understand his heart. And what was God's heart towards his people? What was the Father's heart towards everyone was that they would know that they were loved. See, when you know that you're loved, there is healing that happens. Jesus didn't turn anyone away. He healed people everywhere he went. Those that drew, that drew near, healing was released. That was the Father's heart. It was not the Father's heart to curse people. And so as Jesus came, he was telling them, you can actually approach the Father now and begin to agree with him. Our Father who art in heaven, the one who sits and rules and reigns in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? It just simply means holy is your name. Set apart is your name. All powerful is your name. In Christ, you and I have been given the name that is above every name. We have the ability and the responsibility to use that name on the earth as his representatives, as the father's sons and daughters who would do as he would as he walked upon the earth. Hallowed be your name. And this is my favorite part. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought when you declared that, that a castle would descend out of heaven and come to the earth. When we say, Lord, your kingdom come, what were you expecting? When you would say, Lord, let your will be done. Do you know that when you say, let your will be done, that means you are surrendering your will to that? It's no longer about your wants. It's, not, it's no longer about your desires. It's no, it's no longer about your dreams. It's about what he wants. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no lack. There is no poverty. There is no brokenness in heaven. There is no sin in heaven. And that is what God wants. He wants that kingdom to descend upon the earth and begin to influence everything around us. Not for us to be influenced by a world that is broken. He wants us to bring in wholeness. People don't have to stay broken. 
your kingdom come. See, that's what people were believing Jesus for. When, the, when Jesus was on the earth, people expected this king to be riding on a horse that he would say, out with the Romans. And that he would take his rightful place on the throne of David. But Jesus didn't look like that. Although with all the miracles and all the signs and all the wonders and the authority that he had in his word, people knew there was something different and special about him. And that's why they thought that an earthly king, one that would sit on the throne, would settle all their problems. Little did they know that it went beyond the natural, the physical. When we say that the, we want the kingdom of God to come, it means that it doesn't just touch the outside, but something happens on the inside. Things need to change. Things, to be, things need to be moved out of the way. And this kingdom is not a secret. God wants you to know. He's not hidden it from you. He's hidden it for you. He wants you to discover this kingdom. He wants you to know what are all the benefits and the advantages you have by being a part of something this awesome. I mean, when my kids are playing hide and seek and they come, they'll come up and ask me, where, mom, where's Rafa? And I'll be like, I don't know. And God's the same way. God doesn't hide things. When we ask him, he'll give us the answer. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Go this way? Or if, he does, if you think he doesn't say anything because, you know, people believe that God's silent. I don't. I believe God's a talker. He talks a lot. And he'll just keep on repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating the same instruction that he gave you. Lord, aren't you going to say anything else? Are you going to do what I asked? Are you going to do what I said? Are you going to do what you've seen and what you've heard? Jesus said, I, didn't, I don't do anything that I haven't seen my father do. I don't speak anything that I haven't heard my father say. Jesus just was the exact representation of the father in every way. You wanted to know what the father looked like? Look at Jesus. And Jesus carried with him an authority. He understood who he was. And it's important we understand who we are. So when we declare, Lord, your kingdom come, what we're saying is we want heaven on earth. We want everything that heaven has to manifest on the earth. Oh, pastor, that's impossible. Why? Why is that impossible? Do you know that you are carriers of heaven? Part of our quote-unquote job as a believer is to bring heaven everywhere we go. People experience enough hell on a daily basis. And that's just scratching the surface. Because that's not even what hell looks like. That may be what people think hell is like, but it's far worse. And God gives us, he partners with us to bring his kingdom to the earth. To manifest it fully and completely. He wants people to know who he is and he wants people to know what he has because what he'll say is simply this all that I have I want to give to you just believe trust me move with me a lot of people think that God has this long list of do's and don'ts and if you don't follow it then what and well Lord since I missed it never mind no you are empowered to live a righteous life you are empowered to do right. Your doing doesn't happen before your being. 
your identity. You need to know who you are so that when you begin to move and begin to act that is contrary to who you are, you can say, that's not me. I've been empowered to do right. That's for somebody in here. Because that's deviating from my message. That's okay. This is just introduction. Last service was just all introduction. You'll get the second part of the introduction. But the kingdom of God is a very important aspect of our lives. In fact, it was so important. Jesus talked about it a lot. You'll always hear him talking about the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. But he would speak to us in parables. He would speak to people in parables and stories because they could not grasp. They could not understand what he was saying because it didn't make sense to them. See, when we begin to try to think about the spiritual things, our natural minds can't comprehend it. Because our natural minds are so focused on our senses, our five senses. What we see here and now. But the spirit is not limited to our here and now. There's still far more in this unseen realm that we can walk out and see manifest in our day to day. But he speaks and he spoke in parables. But these parables were really meant to open up what this kingdom may look like, how this kingdom may operate. I'm going to give you four things when we're talking about the kingdom. And talk about the sphere or the domain or dominion or your influence. The system in which it operates, the subjects of the kingdom, and the sovereign Lord. Because you can't have a kingdom without a king. They're a package deal. Because it would just be dumb. And a lot of people try to live a dumb life. Limited, defeated. God didn't want that. And he also knew that if we were the ones that sat on the throne of our heart, we would never be able to move as far as he wanted us to. Because there would always be a limit to it. So let's take a look at dominion, the sphere of influence. Every single one of us has a sphere of influence. Every single one of us has some sort of domain. We, we have a locality. For those of us that are Filipino, you're Filipino for a reason. God wasn't surprised. Oh, Joey's Filipino. Oh, I'm sorry. Mitch was not supposed to be Filipino. She should have been somewhere else. No, I'm proud to be Filipino. Although in the Taglish service, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is not quite there yet. But we're Filipino for a reason. You weren't an accident, contrary to what people may say. You never caught God off guard. And he placed you in this particular nation for a reason. To do what? To influence it. We are meant to hold what is ours, our inheritance, our right, as the Filipino people. We are not meant to allow anyone to steal it. 
But as the body of Christ in the Philippines, we have a higher standard by which we live. We live by a different standard, which is the kingdom of God. And we are not out to rally or complain. We are meant to pray. Pastor, so political. I didn't say anything. I just said pray. We need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders, whether you voted for them or not. The Bible doesn't say only pray for the ones you voted for and curse the ones you didn't. No. He said pray for all of those that are in authority. Pray for wisdom. Pray that God, that, that God will have an opening to surround them with God, godly men and women that can release godly counsel. That they will not be moved by any form of corruption. That money will not speak louder to them. Pray. Because now what you're doing is you're exercising your influence. You are now having dominion. Dominion is not meant to just stay with you. You are meant to expand and be enlarged and take ground. But it begins with you. Let's look at what Jesus said when he talked about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. In Luke 13, 20 to 21. And again, he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The Passion Translation says, Jesus taught them another parable. How can I describe God's kingdom realm? Let me give you this illustration. It is like something as small as yeast that a woman kneads into a large amount of dough. It works unseen until it permeates the entire batch and rises high. So the kingdom of God is not something that happens outside. You'll see it later as it begins to manifest, but the kingdom of God begins within. Jesus said that, that the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It's not because you're looking at something. The, the, the Pharisees and the Jewish people were looking for a king, and they saw Jesus in the natural, and they said, oh, this must be him. But when he was the one who was saying, no, that's not why I came, they began to get confused. Because all they were doing was relying on what they saw and what they knew. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God is already within you. And so Jesus here tells us that it's like something you cannot see. You don't see the kingdom of God. Do you? Do you look inside and you see, oh, there's a, there's a castle. There's a road. There's a th no, you don't see that. But here he talks about how it's like yeast. And yeast is very important to a baker. Because what happens is it, it will take whatever you, you, you where it's going to take whatever you have there and make it bigger. See, what, a yeast, what yeast will do is it will help whatever is in a container take on a bigger shape and be enlarged for far more. So whatever is there is not limited by the container. 
In fact, if you put dough that has yeast in a small container and you just let it sit, let it rest. See, the enlarging happens when you rest. Not when you're working, when you rest. But it will begin to overflow out of the small container. Because the smallness of the container cannot contain the bigness of what was, on the in, what was inside. And I love how the scriptures say like th- that it was something that she, this woman had three meals or three cups of flour. Let's put it that way. The Bible is very specific. Three things because it touches three things that are unseen. Well, one is seen. But you don't see what's going on on the inside. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. See, the unseen hits those three things. It touches your spirit first. It changes your spirit. And then your soul gets impacted by that. And your body just needs to follow. But you see, it happens on the inside first. It's not something that happens outwardly. Change happens on the inside. It's something that people will begin to see that's a little bit more consistent. But it's already someone you are. In 3 John 2, what does it say? It says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Three areas as well. So this unseen realm, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven is meant to come into this place and begin to expand you on the inside. Why does it have to happen on the inside? Because you will never go further than what's happening on the inside. Because then he continues to say, in Luke 13, 18 to 21, he says, what is the kingdom of God like and what what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed. Have any of you ever seen a mustard seed? It's very, very tiny. It's probably a little bit bigger than the tip of a Mongol pencil. That's how small that seed is. And he says that the kingdom of God is likened to this seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. See, something so small you don't realize has a huge impact. But this seed that may seem insignificant was purposefully planted that this man put it in his garden. He took it and he put it in his garden. Now we've heard the parable of the sower, have we not? Three people, praise God. It's okay. But in the parable of the sower, the sower sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. But you and I have to purpose to take of that word and plant it in our garden, our heart. Because then and only then can it begin to grow, take root, and begin to manifest. So that people can see it. A change in attitude, people will begin to notice. But it's not like you went, okay, i got to change my attitude. I have to change my attitude. No, you allowed the word of God to help you do that. 
Because no amount of behavior modification will change your attitude. If you are an angry person, you need Jesus. Because only Jesus can take that anger out of you. My uncle, and I've shared this story before, was a, was a Muslim man who Jesus found. But he was a very angry man. He was very scary. But when he received Jesus into his heart, he became the most loving person. I mean, he's big. He's like 6'3", and massive, over 200-something pounds. He's big. I mean, you can imagine that's pretty scary. But now when he sees you, he'll go, oh, I love you. And he means it. And he'll wrap you in a really big hug. You can't imagine him ever being an angry man. But only God can do that. Only God can do that. Because you can go to lots of anger management uh, classes. And I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying if you're trusting in that to change you, you'll find yourself disappointed. Wow, this is really like certain people in the house today. So he says, a man took it and put it in his garden, and it grew. It grew into a large tree. And I love, what I love about that is a large tree needs a large root system. You don't see it. Those are the things that are unseen. But for it to be able to hold all the birds that would nest in it, See, different varieties of birds would come. Different groups of people will come to you. You'll find your influence, your sphere of influence growing as you just allow the word to get in you. Because the word paints the picture. The word becomes the blueprint to what this kingdom actually looks like. And the more that you see it on the inside, the more you're going to walk it out. The more you're going to live it out. You're not just going to allow, well... You know, I, I feel sick in my body, and this, this might be the way I'm going to go. Why? Why do you have to settle for that? You don't have to. Jesus gave you life. When he conquered sin and death, the consequences of sin, which was sickness and disease, he also conquered. You may feel the symptoms in your body, and it may be very, very painful, but you already have the victory. Focus on that. And allow it to begin to manifest in you. Because as it begins to manifest in you, the hope and the joy and the peace begins to rise up and people see it. How can you be so joyful in the midst of all of this? Well, I know what my Jesus did for me. Oh, you're sick because of all of this, all the stuff that you've done. I'm righteous before Jesus. I may have messed up, and yes, maybe there are consequences, but he knows how to reverse those things. It's like hope, hope. So that small seed becomes a mighty tree. See, as the body of Christ, we are meant to spread out. Our branch, it's not just one branch, we are branches. And every branch can grow as far as it wants to grow. It's up to you. How far do you want your sphere of influence to be? God told Joshua, as, far, as, as, as long as your foot hits the ground, 
that's all yours. Every step that you take, that's yours. All Joshua had to do was walk. How far he wanted to go, how wide he wanted to go was completely up to him. But every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given you. See, you will only go as far as you believe God. That's why God always shows up when you stop. Because he gets you to believe so that you'll go on further. Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, New Living Translation says, Now he is far above, and this is talking about Jesus, any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things. Say all things. Who fills all things everywhere. Say everywhere. With himself. All things everywhere. There is no limit. There is no boundary. As far as you're going to go, he's with you. And as you walk it, you begin to fill that place with him. See, when you walk into a room, something should change. The atmosphere changes. And people sense that. They're not quite sure what it is. But because you came into a place, something shifted. What are you doing? You're bringing the kingdom of heaven into the place. You're bringing his rule and his reign because you have stepped in. Knowing who you are. See, this is part of that system. We have our sphere, we have a system, and the system is something that God works in us and through us. In Matthew 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. But we have something we, we are doing is that we're seeking after him. We're going after him. We're pursuing him intentionally. But the Amplified Bible puts it this way. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His way of doing right and being right. See, God has a way of doing things that we need to connect with. Because if we're trying to do it our own way, we find ourselves failing more often than not. Pastor Herbie said this last week, and I really, I really liked it. The only hindrance to God's plans are our plans. Why? Because we want our way. I want to do it my way. But your way is going to hurt you. Trust him. He knows how to get you to where you want to go to. It just may not be the way you're going to do it. The kingdom operates on a very different system than the world. When the world says hold or hoard, God says give. When, when the world tries to keep you quiet, God says you need to speak and agree with my word. Speak it out because my word does not return to me void. It will accomplish that for which I sent it to.
if you are broken and you've lost hope, God doesn't look at you like that. He is your hope. If you feel that you're worthless, then see what Jesus did by paying for you with his, with his life, with his blood. When the kings of this world will, will hide behind their military strength, our king came down and became a man just like us, and he was the one that went to the cross alone. It's a very, very different system. Jesus tells us not to worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Because I know what you need. The Father cares for you. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, the way the kingdom works, God doesn't go, well, you have to do this X amount of times before I can give you this. What Grace did is that he paid the price for everything and said, well, you can take this. It's up to you. Or what I have to do, Lord, believe and receive it. See, our doing happens after we understand who we are. You don't do first and then you become. You become first and then you do. I mean, let's put it this way. If, if being was the, uh, doing was the standard, if I kept on barking, I'd become a dog. But no matter how long I bark, I will never be a dog. I may be crazy as I continue to bark, but I need to be reminded about who I am. The world says you have to fight to get to the top. The kingdom of God says you're already on top. You don't have to become like God. He already made you like him when you became righteous. You have the same righteousness that God the Father has because he cannot give you anything less. You have to have pride. The Bible says you just humble yourself. God will exalt you. It's a very different system. It doesn't make sense to us. Because our default setting is a certain way. In Mark 4, 26 to 29, it says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Jesus talked a lot about seed and a lot about ground. You have to understand the importance of seed and ground. Because, ground, because seed needs ground to grow. But you see, God's no respecter of persons. The seed is released to one and all. It's up to you to receive it. That's what the whole story about the parable, the parable of the sower was about. The different hearts. See, God did, well, the farmer didn't care. He sowed seed. It just happened to fall on certain ground. The first ground was a pathway. It was hard. Well, doesn't that sound like somebody who has a hard heart? Maybe somebody who's a little proud, full of pride? What does it say? The birds came and ate it. Took it away. The second ground was a rocky ground. 
the seed couldn't grow. It couldn't take root. It was very shallow. So when the heat of the sun and the pressure came, it withered because it had no life. There was no nourishment. There was no strength in it, though it received it with joy. We talked about being planted. We need to get our roots down deep because the pressures will come and the sun will shine brightly. That it'll feel like we're burning, but if our roots are down deep, we actually access the water underneath. And we will find ourselves being able to withstand the pressure. The third ground was thorny. And it was, uh, it was Jesus telling us that those thro the thorny ground represented the worries of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. The things that people lust after. It wasn't that the seed didn't grow. It just wasn't fruitful. But the fourth ground, the ground that was soft, the ground that was willing to take the seed. The Bible says, and I love the, uh, the message paraphrase, it was a bumper crop, which means it was actually, it exceeded expectation. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Because the ground allowed the seed to do what it needed to do. But this here says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts, a sickle, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, seed needs to be purposely planted for it to grow and become fruitful. You need to tend and keep. This is what God told Adam and Eve, right? Tend and keep the garden. Protect the garden. Protect your heart. Because there is someone that will try to, to snake his way in to try to take that away from you. So that you remain unfruitful. Because when you have fruit, people will taste and see his goodness through you. The fruit's not for you. The fruit is for other people. And the enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't want other people changed because they've tasted and seen God's goodness in you, through you, and now they know that he wants it for them. So we have to be diligent to protect our heart. That's the only thing that God ever said we really needed to do was to guard our heart. Guard our heart. But when you look at this scripture as well, it talks about the importance of process. It's not a one-time big time. God's system is not one-time big time. Although with Jesus, you have Jesus, you have everything. But it's still a process to discover all that he has for you. And it's one day at a time. One message at a time. One word at a time to discover all that he is. And it will take an eternity to do that. So we have to understand that there is a process to things. God is more concerned about your character and your ability to stand under pressure than he is about getting the blessing to you. Because the blessing is not meant to destroy you. The blessing is meant to benefit you. But if your character is not ready for it, it will destroy you. 
So if some of you are going, Lord, this is supposed to be the year of fullness. What is happening? God is working on the inside of you because he's preparing you. Don't lose heart. Get excited. Because he's, ex he's expanding you. He's enlarging your capacity to receive more so that it doesn't break you when your breakthrough comes. And so we need to understand the importance of process as part of God's system for us. Little by little makes big. Everybody wants the big, the big, the big. But little by little makes big. Thank God already for the little breakthroughs you're seeing. Thank him now. So that when the big thing comes, you're like, yes. You know, there's something about a thankful heart. That's part of God's system, how he does things. When we come into that place of praise and worship, we, set, we, we are set free. And our minds are renewed in that place. It's like God takes everything off us so that we can see clearer, so that we can walk freer. We can live life fuller. And so we have this dominion and the system in which we walk in. But it is, but without the people to carry that, the subjects of this kingdom, then who's going to bring that out? See, we're not just servants anymore. Well, God delights in the prosperity of his servants. God delights that as sons and daughters, we walk in our inheritance. Servants don't have an inheritance. But sons and daughters do. And as sons and daughters, we become his representatives upon the earth. We're not just little children that have no responsibility or we have no strength. We have no authority. No, we are maturing sons and daughters who stand as the father's representatives, as ambassadors, as kings, as priests in this time now. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation knows who you are. And they're just waiting for the moment when you realize who you are. Because when you do, you will begin to walk in that dominion and authority. And you will not take no for an answer. You will look at the giants and say, you better get out of my way. I'm going to make you move. You're going to look at those mountains and you say, you're about to be leveled. When you see the storms coming, you're going to say, shh, be still. The sons of God are unafraid of the world. But they love the world dearly. Because that's the Father's heart. The Father's heart is none should perish. That's why we are empowered. We are equipped to go out into this world that is dark, that is dying, and give them real hope and real life because that's what you'll find in the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking it is righteousness righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost in the Holy Spirit righteousness your identity peace is what you carry in your soul and this joy that begins to bubble over it's not an emotion it's a spiritual force that causes you to rise when you fall. This is not the end. It's just a new beginning. 
It causes you to rejoice in the midst of trials and challenges. And you say, this is not my end. Get ready. I'm coming out. I'm coming out strong. I'm calm. But we are sons and daughters, kings and priests. Jesus himself is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Have you ever wondered who he is the king of? It says king of kings. Who are the kings? We are. We are the kings and we are the priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yes, we are weird, but we are set apart. And in our weirdness, people come to us because they want what we have. Because it's nothing like what they have. And they know that we carry the real deal. And we don't need to apologize for who we have. You don't have to apologize that you're a believer. That's for somebody in here. You don't need to apologize that you're, an, you're a believer. Because you know who you are you know the price that was paid for you and it wasn't any price that anyone could pay it was the precious blood of Jesus that paid for every single one of us every single one of us this sovereign Lord came down to become man limited in a physical body following the leading of the Holy Spirit as the Father spoke and he went to the cross to die a criminal's death when he did no wrong. How unfair does that seem? We talk about a sovereign Lord and we think about a king and we think about this amazing gold crown that he must wear as he's seated on the throne. Our king wore a crown of thorns made by human hands. And that crown was beaten on his head for him to wear. Kings dressed in all these royal robes while Jesus was naked on the cross. Why? So that we could be clothed. So that we could be clothed in those robes of righteousness. And that we would wear the victor's crown. But the crown that Jesus wears now, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. Our sovereign Lord is crowned with glory and with honor. In Hebrews 2, 11, 9 to 11, it says, What we do, what we do see is Jesus, for who a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Not one person was excluded. There is no sin big enough or small enough to stop what Jesus did. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. So we are not just clothed with a robe of righteousness. We now wear a crown. We are crowned as well with glory and with honor. It was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. 
That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. Do you know that as a brother and a sister to Jesus, who is the son of God, we have the same rights and privileges he has? We have the same responsibility he has. And I'll end with this scripture in, in Revelation. Revelation 1, 4-6, Passion Translation. It says, May the kindness of God's grace and peace overflow to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are in front of his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn among the dead, and the ruling king. Who rules over the kings of the earth. Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood. And to the one who has made us to rule. You and I are meant to rule and reign. We are meant to rule and reign in this life. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness are there to help us reign in this life. And we do it through the one Jesus Christ. And from Jesus, the faithful witness, the one who has made us to rule as a kingly priesthood to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen and amen. This kingdom of God is meant to overtake. It is meant to be expanded. It is meant to go to the four corners of the earth. To let people know, first, their worth. That they know that they don't have to stay where they are and believe what, they, what, what it is their parents have said, their environment. No, they can come out of that because they have a future, a destiny that has been written by the blood of Jesus. And the story is far greater than any story that they could ever write. And it has already been written. So it's time for us to take a stand and it's time for us to rise. Sons of God, hear me. It is time to be revealed. It is time to stand out. It is time to speak. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is here and it is now. Whose side will you choose? Whose side will you be on? It's time for us to be on the move. It is time. Amen? Close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, as I stand before your people today, I thank you that something's been stirred up on the inside of them. That they know that you love them, but that also gives them the strength to step out into the things that are uncomfortable and inconvenient. To reach out into a world that needs you. I thank you, Father, that dominion and authority and the systems and the rule of the kingdom will be not only enforced, but released through your people. 
We need a different system. One that works. One that brings life. And I thank you that they know who they are. Who they are and whose they are. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to give an invitation. You might be here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What are you waiting for? There has been invitation upon invitation and invitation. I believe that because I believe that God is persistent and he is pursuing you. He wants to bring you into a place where you are his son and when you are his daughter. So that you know that you can walk in victory and cause others to do the same and not be defeated and confused. And, but you know that you have him and you can rest in that. And you will see him do what he needs to do. So today I'm going to count to three. And if you're here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And this is you saying, I need Jesus. I need him. I understand what he did and I need him. You may be in here and you've received Jesus before, but today you want to recommit. You can raise your hand too. So one, two. Thank you for your hand. Three. Thank you for your hands. Don't be shy about it. If you know, put it up. Thank you, Father. You might be downstairs in the fourth floor as well. Go ahead and put your hands down and we're going to pray. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you, thank you that I can walk into your kingdom knowing that I'm accepted, knowing that I'm loved by you. Today, I receive Jesus into my heart. And today, the kingdom of God is alive within me. Teach me in the days to come as I grow in you to bring you into the world around me so that they can encounter real love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.